Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story that you'd like to share, you can do so by going to adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so by giving online and helping us bring messages just like this one to you every single week. Today's message is from our series called Toxic, in which we'll look at the small things and how they can creep into our minds and cause chaos in our everyday lives. In this series, we'll learn how to defend against and detox the slow killers of our soul. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. We're heading into a deep, th- uh, deep topic today. We're talking about toxic thoughts. Toxic thoughts. How many of you brave souls would raise your hand up and say, in, at some point in time in your life, you have thought a crazy thought, right? Yeah, everybody, we're all crazy. Great, excellent, okay. You, you thought something and you're like, hmm, I don't know where that came from. And I don't think I'm supposed to be thinking that way. Like I'm a Christian now and I just, I, I don't think that's right. You know, toxic thoughts, okay? And as I was preparing this message, one of the easiest messages that I've ever prepped, because if you Google search, Toxic thoughts. What you will find, the very, very first search result, organic search, okay, not the paid ads, okay, Uh I was a local search marketing expert, okay, back in the day. The organic search, you will see an article that says the 12 toxic thoughts that you need to get out of your life in order to live a better life, okay? And so I thought, boom, I'm just going to bring that to the table. We'll run through them, okay? It's going to be kind of overwhelming, but I think that's what pastors are supposed to do. They're supposed to build up so much stress and anxiety in people's lives in the first half so that you know you need Jesus, okay? So let's throw, yeah, you've, we've already got those up there, okay? Um, so starting off with a heavy hitter right there at the, at the beginning, victim mentality. <laughs> like, oh, ugh. what happened to you doesn't have to hold you back from what God wants to do through you. Check. Number two, you can change others. Wives, you know, you, you, you can't change others, you, you know. I mean, I know, I know it's, it, you want to, I get that, I completely, and the Lord knows your husband needs to change, but it's just, it's just not, not going to happen for you. Number three, I can't mentality. I can't, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, of course you can. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Number four, grass is greener mentality. Huh, right? Oh, if I only had that, I'd be so much better. Number five, expectations. Pastor Gal has done an awesome illustration of this one. Expectation, experience, in between, frustration. So either bring down your expectation or raise the level of your experience. Boom, done. Roasted. Uh, number six, <laughs> having a significant other will complete you. And uh, all my single beeps are telling me, move on. All right. Uh, number eight, worrying about what other people think. Don't worry about what other people think. Know who God says you are. Number nine, worrying about being unprepared for the future. Number 10, very similar, worrying about your past, that your past will determine your future. Number 11, money equals happiness. And finally, number 12, um, we need to get rid of objective reality. Perception is reality. What's happening is not as important as how you view it. Um, how, how many here love, love lists? Love making lists, right? Any administrate? All oh, right, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, and wives, you probably love, love lists, okay? Because we all know that the list is the only way of communicating to your husband what you want him to do. No list, nothing happens, right? Okay, and so you get creative with your list. Like, you know that if you send him to the grocery store without a list, he will not come back with anything that is food-related, 
And so you get created. You know, you, you have a lot of things that you want for your husband. You want, a lot, you want him to accomplish a lot of things. So you just kind of put it all on one list. Like you get like one list per day. And so you're like, I'm going to make this count. And so you're like, honey, will you go to the grocery store? Here's your list. And he goes to the grocery store. And on the list, number one, oranges. Number two, butter. Number three, stronger leadership. Number four, being a better father figure. And miraculously, he comes home with oranges, butter. You want it unsweetened. That didn't happen. And he's a better father for your children. It's amazing how lists work. Well, I don't like lists. Um, I hate them, actually, which is probably why I am so bad at organization and administration. You know, you sure you want to be a pastor? Yes, I'm positive. But I don't like using lists. And I especially don't like that list. Because, first of all, it's 12 points long. And as a pastor, you know that you don't bring any more than three to four points to the table, right, when you're preaching, okay? And even that fourth one is like a bonus. Like, there is no expectation that you're listening at that point in time. That's mostly just so the preacher can hear his own voice, okay? Okay? Let alone 12, 12 points. And as I'm looking at that list, though, I do find some comfort. I do find some encouragement because I'm like, you know what? I'm not that bad at, 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 at all of those. Like, I'm, you know, 3, 5, 8, 9, you know, 10, 11. Like, those aren't, those aren't too bad. I kind of feel like I've got some strength in those areas. Those seem pretty good. I'm, I'm really strong in those as long as I don't try to work on 1, 2, 4, 6, 7, and 12. Like, I'm, I'm really, like, I don't have a problem with that as long as I don't try to fix something that I do have an issue with. Parents, this is like, you know, Getting your three-year-old ready for school. They don't go to school at three. I'm not a parent, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Yank this guy. All right. Who asked him to preach? And we're paying him. Um, no, no, but it's, it's like changing your, your, your three-year-old, right? You get the, the shirt on, the, the, the pants on. You go for the shoes. You know you're losing the shirt, right? For those of us who have not yet made the mistake of having kids, um, I'm just kidding. For those of you, I joke about this all the time, but you watch. I'm going to have like six to eight kids, okay? And for those of you who know my girlfriend, you are laughing at her right now. Hope we still get to go out to lunch. Um, no, no, no. For those of us who don't have kids, maybe, maybe um, this reminds you of a, a little game that you used to play at the arcade called Whack-A-Mole. Whack-A-Mole. You know this game? I used to play this at the arcade. I don't play it at the arcade. I you don't go, like, when you're 28 years old, like, you're not allowed to go to the arcade by yourself on Zares. That, that just looks weird. Like, what'd you do? I went to the arcade by yourself. Yeah, I think that's illegal. Like, I don't think that's, an, like, that just, that's just strange. But I used to play this game called Whack-A-Mole, and Whack-A-Mole is this awesome illustration that no matter how hard you hit and no matter how fast you are, there are always going to be problems. Right? Like, you, you could go and brag and say, I scored, you know, 100,023, you know, points on Whack-A-Mole. But there were still moles coming out of the machine when you got done. <laughs> there were, there were still, still problems. And that's how I feel about my toxic thoughts a lot of times. It, it, where where, where I, I go and, and I've got my hammer, right? Don't play Whack-A-Mole with this. You will get kicked out because you will break the machine. This is a 16-ounce um, hammer. News to me, I guess I'm not like a construction dog, that they weight the hammers, right? I guess so that you can have more force coming down. And I've also let, left the stickers on it because, like, kids, like, you buy hats and you leave the stickers on. Like, that, is that still cool? And so I left the stickers on my hammer, okay? But, but with my toxic thoughts, I grab my hammer, and it's like, okay, I can deal with this stuff. That victim mentality, what, what, what someone did to me is not going to deter me what God wants to do through me. And so I, bam, wow, 
Okay, 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 I'm going to move towards, okay, grass is not always greener. No, no, the grass is greener where you water it, right? Thank you, Justin Bieber and Juicy J for that quote. Okay, and you wind up, pop, perspective. Oh, oh, man, if I could just change my perspective, I would see the purpose in the season and swing and a hit. But as soon as I, I hit that last thought, all of a sudden, I see in the corner of my eye, right because that's the sound that that whack-a-mole you know that's a really really fun sound to make and i think it would lighten everybody up here if we all just did that so we can just make that noise real quick on the count of three pew one two three pew don't you feel so good your kids love you you're, you're, yes exactly your children are like my parents are so cool okay but but all of a sudden i see my my past my past com- coming up I, I thought i dealt with that i i i, I I took care of that. Okay, 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 okay. And so I swing and I say, no, my past will not hold me back from the future. Okay, okay. Oh, but then all of a sudden I see, I see my, my money struggles, financial struggles. Okay, no, no, no. Money can't buy me happiness. I know it can buy me, a, you know, a boat and it can buy me a truck to pull it. But, um, you know, sorry, my unchurched friends listen to secular music, okay? And I, and I begin to, to swing away. No, no, I can, I can, I can do this. Significant other, God, this one's your fault on those thoughts, right? If you would have just given me a wife, we would have dealt with this a long time ago, right? Oh, God, and I'm just swinging and swinging and, and, and swinging. And, and it just, it's this exhausting, exhausting game until all of a sudden, boom, game over, you know? And you got a high score, and you did a really, really good job, right? Check out my report card, right? But there's still a problem. There's still problems all around. And so, so, so this, is, this is what we do. This is what we do. We just simply get a bigger hammer. And yes, this is, this is a Thor hammer. No, I did not own it before yesterday, okay? I purchased this solely for my illustration, okay? I don't just have Thor, you know, hammers, you know, lying around for my self-esteem, right? Like, where it's just like, I feel like I can't do it today. Mm, I can! All right, let's do this, okay? No, 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 we, we get a bigger hammer. We get a bigger hammer by, by going to church. We, 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 we develop a bigger hammer by, by going to life group. That's good. That, that, that's, what, that's what Christians do. They go to life group, and then you start tithing. That's going to fix everything, right? Yeah, yeah, this will fix, fix all the madness inside my head. And we develop a bigger and better life and behavior in order to fix all this, all this stuff that's going on in our heads, the, the toxic thoughts, the, the worry, the stress, the fear, the lust. Yeah, if I just, if I just live better. But then, but then what happens is, yeah, you might make contact with all of those thoughts, but what you find is that as soon as you hit them down to the ground, they grow fangs. And they begin to latch themselves onto your ankle like my, did I say ankle? Yeah, ankle, like my uncle's dog did to me all the time. Little tofu just was always nipping at my ankles. And the problem is no longer in front of you. It's not blocking your path. But it's making life so miserable that you begin to wonder, like, is, so this, oh, this is the Christian life, right? We, we talk a ton about it. It's, it's our, you know, vision statement, like, we want to help people discover the life that they can have in Jesus Christ. And you're like, so this is life now. This, this is the abundant life where I'm just constantly struggling and every step forward takes more work than the last. This is, oh, great. I like this. And, and it just, it, it wears us down to the point where we, we, we start to like say things like, I don't remember having these problems before I met Jesus. Anyone else real with me on that one, right? Like, I don't remember dealing with this type of madness before I decided to turn my life over to God. 
And it makes you wonder, man, is, is, this, is this really worth it? Because maybe it would just be better to just not try at all. And that is not what I want to propose today, okay? That is not the end of the sermon. Rather, I'd like to propose a strategy that works, but, but, in, but in order to develop a new strategy, in order to move from simply getting a bigger hammer and hitting harder and being faster, in order to propose and develop a strategy that actually works, we have to understand the strategy that is being worked against us. So if you have not yet figured it out, there is an enemy, Satan, the devil, Diablo, okay, however you want to call him. There is an enemy that is trying to derail your destiny, that is trying to hold you back from what God has in store for you. And he's been working this strategy against you since the very, very beginning of time. Go with me if you've got your Bible um, or your smartphone. You can find it on the app. It will be up on the screen here in just a second. We're going to go back to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, and check this out. Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, for those of you who did not go to Christian school for 13 years like I did, I'm going to summarize creation. Um, so God, God speaks everything into existence, the world, everything that, that we see. The earth, the, the trees, the birds, the light, the heavens. And, and, and most importantly, he, he breathed life into man, Adam and Eve. And, and so he pulls Adam aside and, and he's like, hey, buddy, we need, to, we need to talk about a couple things, okay? Kind of ground rules of the Garden of Eden, okay? Um, we got a good life here. This is amazing, is it not? And Adam's like, I love this. Yes, who is that? I like her, okay? And, and, he, and he begins to walk him around the garden. I, I imagine he's like, hey, you can eat from whatever you want here, anything. It's so good. It's so delicious. There is so much here for you, okay? Except, except, hey, buddy, yo, hey, here, because he's a man, and he's already losing his focus. He's like, buddy, I know. We'll talk about her in a second. Right here, okay? Except for that tree that's right in the middle, middle of the garden. That tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay? And and, and you, you can't, you can't touch that. You can't eat it, okay? Stay away from it because if you do, you're going to die, okay? And Adam's like, so I can eat from whatever else I can want? Yes, you can eat from anything else that you want, except for that guy. Yep, except for that one. It's like, okay, okay. So can I eat from that tree over there? Yeah, yeah, no, you can definitely can. You can eat from that one, okay? Just not the one in the middle. Okay, you know. What about that? Listen, Adam, just the one that's right in the middle of the garden, all right? Like, okay, okay. All right, stay away from it, okay? And everything's great, you know. Him and Eve are just completely free, you know, completely naked. And it's cool, and it's okay, because that's how he got created them. Okay, guys, toxic thoughts, get those out. Okay, and everything's great until chapter 3 comes around. And the Bible says that this, this snake, this serpent, which the Bible describes as the shrewdest animal, Satan embodied into a snake, comes up to Eve and begins to chat with her in verse one, chapter three, verse one, and he, he gets right to the point, and, and he looks at her, and he said, did, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Notice how he puts that. Did God really say you couldn't eat from anything in here? Well, that's a, that's a shame. We've got some pretty nice produce. That's <laughs> crazy why we do that. You create it, and then you want to give it, and, and, and notice the, the punctuation on this sentence is a question mark, a question mark, indicating an invitation to converse. 
Men, when, when, when your wife rounds a, a statement, you know, up, hey, can you do this for me? That's a question mark, which means you better say something, and the answer is always yes, okay? And so, so he, he's trying to engage her in conversation, and spoiler alert, there are some conversations that we're just never meant to get into. Like, there, there are actually conversations where our best interest is just to stay away from it. I'm talking to Facebookers. I'm talking about like where there's conversations going on and you want to know what, it's actually not going to do anyone any good to get into it and share your thoughts. Okay, but, 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 but Eve, she, she, she likes to chat. And, and so, um, so she, she looks at the, the serpent and, and she says, well, of course we may eat from fruit of the trees in the garden. She replied, it's only from the tree in the middle of the garden, she points to it, that we're not allowed to eat. God said that you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And at this point, we're, we're giving her like a golf clap, right? Right? Like, good job. Yeah, that's what we do. Like, when, when, the, when the liar comes up here and starts talking trash about our God, what do we do? We hang on what God said. And we quote it right in his face. And you tell him, no, this is what God said. And we're not supposed to eat from that one, Okay. And that's so good. That's such, like, she is casting an awesome, awesome, um, just manual for, for us when it faces stuff like that, except for the fact that she doesn't leave the conversation at that point. She stayed. She remained there. And, and, the, serpent, and the serpent looks at her and, and says, no, 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 you will not die. Which is to say, God is a liar. You're not going to die. I know that's what God said. No, no, no. That's not why. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be just like him, and he doesn't want that. He is a selfish God. He is, he is, he is so proud. He does not want you to be like him, and he knows that if you eat that, you'll be just like him, and you'll know both good and evil. And here we see that a simple question regarding the details of what God said transforms into this Blatant speculation about who God is. And Eve is, is done for. Verse 6. The woman was convinced. She was convinced because she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. It looked. It appeared to be good. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. A couple things that we've got to point out here in, in this story that will help us um, get a better grip on the strategy that's being worked against us is, is number one here, is that the serpent did not plant the tree. The serpent did not, did not put that tree in the garden. Do you know who did? God did. Which brings up kind of a startling question about our God. <laughs> like, why, why would God put a potential problem in the middle of the garden? Why would he create an option for us to sin and fail? I, I don't know about that one, God. Oh, you know, you might have wanted to look at the blueprints. That one might not have been on there when you built the Garden of Eden. Why would he create an option? And the answer is this, is because more than anything, God wanted and he still wants genuine and real relationship with you and me. That's why he created us. Unlike any of the other creation that brought him glory, we were the one piece of his creation that he wanted to relate to. And you can't have relationship unless there are other options. 
then it's not relationship anymore. That's called a robot. Husbands, I know that you think you just like cast a spell over your wife and she like just had no choices when she picked you, but actually she had a lot of options. And for your benefit, she picked you. We don't know why, okay? But she wanted real relationship and because she had options, man, that form, that form real relationship. No, 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 the, the, the enemy, the, the devil, the serpent didn't go and plant the tree. He, he, didn't, he doesn't create the, the chaos. He doesn't create the, the thoughts. But what he does seek to do is to pervert the purpose of the creation. What he does try to do is manipulate the way that we were supposed to work, the way that we were supposed to operate. He cannot create. There is one creator, and that is God. But what the snake comes up, he, he wants to get into a, a conversation, a conversation with her. Because he knows that if he can jar her thinking just a little bit, she'll do the rest of the, rest of the work. Our thoughts aren't the problem. We need to realize this. That our thoughts are not the problem. They are simply the byproduct of wrong thinking. Our minds are not the problem. And many times I'm like, I think you messed up here. Like, this old guy doesn't work that well. I think I fell off the conveyor belt up in heaven when you were making me because something's loose up here. This isn't, this isn't right. You made me this way. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. But if you're like me, I am okay with accepting the former while rejecting the latter. And I would say, I don't know about the wonderful part, but I can definitely agree with the fearful part because <laughs> there's a lot of fearfulness, <laughs> Running around up here, but no, the problem is not with our mind. The problem is with our mind set. The enemy knows that, that, that if he can come and just jar that, oh, it'll, it'll open the doors. It'll open the doors. I, I want to uh, reframe what a toxic thought is. We can't put them all up on the list. That would be really good. I know, you know, for those of you who love lists, we can't put up a big, long list of all these toxic thoughts and just say, hey, stay away, you know? No, it's not that easy, unfortunately. But I think this will help us nonetheless, is that I believe that a toxic thought is simply a thought that goes untamed. A thought that goes untamed. The, the enemy's strategy is to come and get us into a conversation in order to loosen our thinking, in order to make us start considering what God said, in order to get us to contemplate who God really is. And as we contemplate, we subconsciously begin to unbridle our brains. And we begin to wander Eve, Eve is, it doesn't say that she thought this, but I bet, I bet in her mind she was having a conversation of her own. Man, why did God say that? And all of a sudden her, her mind that was so firm on the truth of who God is and what he said all of a sudden starts wandering, wandering. No, 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 the enemy doesn't create the problems. The enemy doesn't put, you know, the, the cute secretary in the middle of your office, Okay. Like, he doesn't do that. He doesn't put the dude that just loves to hear you talk and he just cares about my emotions. No, no, no. All he wants to do is just make you contemplate your marriage. That's, that's it. If he can just get your mind to wander, oh, you'll do the rest. If he can just get you to ask, is this really it? I know that I loved her when I said I do, but now we're, that we're, we're doing the part, like, I just don't know that I love her. I don't think that we laugh anymore. 
it feels like we don't laugh anymore. We used to have such a good time. That was because you were in the six to nine month infatuation stage, okay? I read about this, all right? I know all about that stuff. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's someone out there that will make me laugh again. Contemplation, contemplation. He knows that it's only a matter of time before our contemplation produces conduct. The devil doesn't, like so many of us think, like I have wrongfully thought, is that he is pulling and dragging me into an abhorrent, sinful life of sex, drugs, and alcohol, right? No, 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 no. That is way too much work and effort on his part. He leaves that up to us, but he will come and say, did God really say that? Did God really tell you that he loves you? Did God really call you a son? Did God really call you a daughter? Did God really say that he had a, a, a future for you? And we begin to wander, wandering from the truth. And when we wander from the truth, all of a sudden, things start to look good. All of a sudden, those things, the, the option looks so delicious Her focus shifts from the surrounding glory of God to the one thing in the middle that she can't have that he said she couldn't have. And all of a sudden, that's that's, that's a thing because her thinking got jarred. The second thing that we have to notice is that Adam and Eve were in a perfect situation. They were in an ideal environment. Perfect relationship with God in a, a, a garden that was perfect, flawless. There were no problems how they had mosquitoes back then and they didn't come over and do their damage. Like, I don't know, but God did it. He created it. No problems. And for me, one of my biggest excuse mechanisms is if things were changing around me, if my situation was different, I would stop worrying. I'd really, I would, I would. I promise you, God, I'd really stop worrying about my future if you'd show me something in my present that shows me that it's going to be good. But Adam and Eve had that. The circumstances didn't shift. Nothing changed. But what was in her brain? I wonder I wonder what it would be like if we were able to stop focusing around the craziness, like this is what toxic is all about, about the things that are happening around us that distract us from the things that we let inside us. What if we stop worrying about the craziness that is around us and we started to restrain the crazy that's in us? What if we were able to, to, to get a better strategy than just working hard, being better, better behavior? I know if I can just change all this stuff, it would change the way that I feel and then it would change the, 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 the thoughts that, that, I, that I have. You want to hear about that strategy? I think this is a good point. This is where we make the turn, right? I have developed enough stress and tension here. Look at your neighbor and say, make the turn. Make the turn. Let's make the turn. 2 Corinthians 10.5. 2 Corinthians 10.5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war with the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not human, physical, tangible, right in front of us, but but they are mighty through God, mighty to, through God for pulling down strongholds. And this is, the, I love this part. And for casting down imaginations and every high thing, every high thought, every high mindset that exalts itself, keyword, against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought 
to the obedience of Christ. No, 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 no. I say, I say we stop working so hard at having a, a bigger, better hammer, bigger, better life, and we drop the hammer, and this is, this, this, this is what we do. We grab a leash. We drop the hammer and, and we grab a leash. Rather than trying to squash everything down and just batting it in the head, you know what we say? All right, you're mine now. I'm in control of you now. Is that not what this verse says? That we do this by bringing everything that exalts itself against who God is. We bring it in captivity. We don't just say, shoo, get, get, I like to talk about my thoughts as if they're little dogs. Like, you know, get away from here, little guy. You know, I don't want to, you know, oh, you little cute little thing, get out of here. No, 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 it doesn't say we just shoo them away and we just continue to bat them out of our brains all day. No, 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 but rather... It says you take it and you bring it into captivity, you put a leash on it, you restrain it. And when you do that, what you begin to find out is that the very, very thing that the enemy was trying to create madness within your brain, you can use to dig deeper into a better understanding of who God is. What you'll find is that the very, very tool that the enemy wanted to stir up so much craziness within your brain, if you've got a leash on it, oh man, you can drive drive into a better relationship with God. Yeah, here's, here's what happens. When, when you put a leash and you bring those thoughts into captivity, what's ha- what happens is the thing that the enemy tried to use and, 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 and to make a wanderer out of you, you can then use to create a wide-eyed wonder about who God is. The thoughts aren't, no, we don't want to stop thinking. That is not the answer. You guys getting that? That's not the answer. It's just to stop thinking, but it's to get a leash on our thinking. And when we do that, when we do that, we are able to to grab this. If you don't know what's in here, this is one of the best things that you can do is start reading it and just start taking it in and look at the promises of God. Look at what he said about that. Look at what he said about this. And when we start to use our fearfully and wonderfully made mind, we begin to find the wonder in his ways. Oh, what if we restrain the very things that stir up worry into us and we restrain them, put a leash on it, and we made them work for us as we say, I want to know God better. You want to know how you do that? You start using your thinking to go after it. You start wondering about who God is. Oh, God, I wonder who you are. I wonder what you say about this. And what's awesome is this. This gives us so much power because then what happens is we, we, we start to unleash God's truth against the thoughts that come against our minds. And we begin to say, I know that I don't feel like I have peace, but this says that you can give me peace that is beyond anything that I can ever experience in this planet. And so until I feel it, I'm going to believe it. I'm holding to it because you said it. I know that my future looks uncertain and my present looks a little bit shaky, but I know that you're the one that holds a future. You were with me yesterday. You're with me today. You'll be with me tomorrow. This is what this says. Oh God, I don't know how you're going to provide in this situation. Oh God, I need your provision. And to be completely honest, God, I think that I'm going to need a miracle. Ooh. This is a good God to go to about miracles. God, I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a desert. I feel deprived. I feel thirsty. God, but, but you said you would never leave me or forsake me. And so here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to set my mind on the realities of heaven. 
Colossians 3, to set my mind on the realities of heaven. Heaven is not just simply a place, a weekend getaway, okay? When you think of heaven, do not think of sandals, okay? You are cutting it short, all right? No, no, no. Heaven is not just a place, but it is a place of having perfect union with God's presence. And we begin to set our, our, our mind on the reality of heaven where the Son of God, Jesus Christ, sits at the right hand of God. And do you want to know why he sits? Do you know why he's not standing on the edge of his seat? Do you want to know why? It's because his work was finished. What he came to do, he did. Death is done. He breathed out his very last breath on this world so that we could breathe in the life that gives us victory. That's what he, that's what he did. I gotta throw some points in here. You know that I've gotta give you guys some points, okay? Those 12, those were just an illusion, those were a decoy. I've got two points. If we wanna have victory over our thoughts and we want to begin to, to detox our minds, here's the first thing we have. We have to restrain our thoughts. We have to restrain them. Again, leash them up. Grab a leash, leash them up. When those thoughts come into your brain during the week, and it's just like, whoa, I don't know where that came from. I don't like that. And, and, and no, no, don't shoo it away. Don't shoot away, because you know what happens when we do that. It comes back with 10 of its friends. You pause. You hit pause right in that moment. And you say, where did this come from? I love, the, I love the, the, how Paul describes it. He says, we bring them in captivity, like, like a, a prisoner of war. And we begin to question and say, who are you? You're not, you're not from here. Who, who are you? Where, where, where are you going? We begin to restrain it. And if we can restrain it, number two, we can train it. And those very, very same thoughts that stir up so much madness, oh man, the wonder, the wonder that can transform them. And all of a sudden they begin to be a tool for God's goodness in his life. Man, have you ever met someone that's got a past? Right? A bad one, a bad one. And for maybe a long time they tried to shoo it away shoot away. But remember, remember what it was like when they took hold of it and they realized that my past, that I, all the things that I did has a purpose to show that God still saves, to show that God still changed and he alters us and he transforms us. Yeah, I've got a past and you want to know what? I hold it up. I hold it up like this because when I hold it up and I bring it into view and I've got a leash on it, you know what happens is people look at you and say, really? That was you? Yeah. That was me. What happened? I met God. I let him change me. And now instead of trying to forget this and dismiss it, I've got it on a leash and I'm training it to do the wonderful work of God. Let me close with this. Psalm 84, 5 through 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. Back in the day, there was a specific place that they had to go to to meet with God. Now, because Jesus Christ came and died for us, we have the Spirit of God living within us. But back then, they had to actually travel, physically travel, sometimes a long journey to get to the place where he was so that they could meet with him. And that's what it means by that pilgrimage. Blessed are those that, that set their minds, that are set on, on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each of them appears before God of Zion. I wonder, would you join with me 
is setting our minds on where we're going. If we could just, all this, this stuff that's going on, like, could we just set our mind up? It's not that you don't deal with it, okay? But I'm telling you, when you start knowing where you're going and you start visualizing, God, I know that this life is short, and so I want to be so fixed on spending eternity in your presence. There is so much power that he pours through us that it says that even when you go into the valley of weeping, even when you go in in through a dry place, you know what believers in God do? You know what people who know who they're following and know where they're going to? You know what they do? They make springs. It didn't say God made them. It said that they dig down deep because they know that even in that desert, the goodness of God can still be found. And the Lord blesses them. The autumn rains and they have new strength, strength to strength to strength until they arrive, until they meet with God. The band's going to sing here in a second, um, but one of... One of the very best ways, I'd say the best way um, to, to allow God to work, work on our minds is to, to spend time in his presence. Before first service, Justin um, Quism being on our staff was, was sharing just something that the Lord shared with him. He was washing the dishes at home and he came upon one of those lovely plates that you and I all love where you have made some sort of cheesy nacho tortilla mix there and the cheese is, is as hard as cement on the plate, right? And so, you know, Marie, his wife, probably threw it in there. And so, you know, but, uh, oh, we just started something there. Um, it's, it's cool, Marie. Um, but he grabs the plate, and he looks at it, and he sees how hard it is. And he remembers that he tries to tell Marie and his kids, hey, like, let, let's, let's let him soak. And the God spoke to him. And he said, oh, I wonder if you would soak in my presence. Oh, I wonder if you would just let it soak. That hardness that's in your mind. It's in your heart. Man, I wonder if you would just come and spend time with me. And I don't need no, I don't even know the soaps. I don't do the dishes, so I'm not going to name a specific soap. But I don't even, I don't need any of those agents. But by my presence, I'll start to unwire that stuff. I read, I read an awesome book. For those of you who are really, really struggling with thoughts, it's um, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she walks you through this process of how to detox your brain. And do you know what the biggest thing is? It's just time. It's time in the word of God. Time dwelling in his presence. Time talking about who he is. Time talking about his, pres- his promises that he has for you. It's not going and fixing stuff. She doesn't say, you need to go do this stuff. No, no, no. You start here in the mind. And you come before him and you say, God, I've got a whole lot of madness in, in my mind. But I know that there is magnificent wonder in you. Oh, I'm going to fix my mind on you. Would you stand? Everyone stand. But what we're going to do is they're going to sing. And here's what I would challenge you to do. I would challenge you to, to identify those thoughts, to identify that type of thinking that has been holding you back. For those of you that, that your mind has wandered throughout the week and you've tried so hard, you've really done such a good job at trying to combat them. But, but I, want, I want you to just identify those thoughts. And you're going to start right in this moment and you're going to start detoxing them. You're going to start breaking down that cheese. Make a point out of that. God's going to start by the power of his presence, by the power of his spirit within you. He's going to start piecing that apart. And he's say, this isn't, this isn't how you're going to think. No, 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 no. I've got, I've got a new mindset for you. It's time to hit reset. And when you're ready for that, 
show it. There's something powerful when we create motion that it also then creates emotion within us and it connects on a deeper, deeper part, okay? Feelings aren't all bad either. That's another message, okay? But when we begin to respond physically, for some reason, our physical body is not disconnected from what God does in our heart and we begin to lift our hands. We say, oh yeah, God, I want you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, God, you're great. Oh God, you bring hope. I don't see it, but, but I know you bring it. You bring peace and watch. You do that and you keep soaking and you keep staying in his presence and you watch what God does in your life. Let's sing this.